This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. In this episode of Trekking Through Compliance, we take up Wolf in the Fold. Compliance, the final frontier. Tom Fox is the voyager of Trekking Through Compliance. His mission? To explore the original series and seek out and share what it can teach you about compliance. Here's your host, Tom Fox. In this episode of Trekking Through Compliance, we consider the episode Wolf in the Fold, which aired on December 22, 1967, and occurred on Stardate 3614.9. Story synopsis. Scotty, Kirk, and McCoy beam down to Orgalius II for therapeutic shore leave. There they enjoy Orgalian hospitality and belly dancing. Scotty becomes enthralled with the belly dancer Kara and invites her for a romantic walk in the fog. Shortly thereafter, Kara is found stabbed to death with Scott nearby in shock holding the murder weapon. His fingerprints are the only ones on the murder weapon, and he has both a concussion and amnesia. The chief administrator of Orgalius II, the strategically important planet and only spaceport in the quadrant, Mr. Hingist, is put in charge of the investigation. Prefect Jarus suggests that his wife, Cybo, use Orgalian empathic contact to learn the truth, but Kirk suggests they beam down a psycho tricorder to probe Scott's mind while Cybo meditates. Lieutenant Karen Tracy beams down to administer the test to Scott, but before she can do so, she is stabbed to death. Once again, Scott is the only one present and also does not remember a thing. The only other entrance is a door which has been locked for years. Kirk questions two men who were present in the cafe immediately before Scotty and Kara went out, but that leads nowhere. Saibo then holds the seance in which she senses a monstrous evil, ancient evil, devouring all light and life, bearing hatred towards women and all living things. She gives the name of Baradus, Kasselak, Rijek, and then the lights dim suddenly. When they come back on, Scott is standing behind her and she has been stabbed to death. This time, however, Scotty did not black out. Hingus Jarus Morla, Kara's father, and the landing party are then beamed aboard the Enterprise to have Scott analyzed by the ship's computers. The computers verify that Scott is telling the truth when he claims that he felt the presence of a foul, cold, evil creature. Morla takes the stand, and the computer verifies he is not responsible for the murders. Kirk then decides to run the names spoken by Cybo through the computer. It identifies Rajak, Red Jack, as a name for the mass murder in the 1920s Earth. It also, um, Spock then speculates that a creature who derives nourishment from the emotion of fear is responsible for the murders. The computer verifies that such a creature could exist, and if so, would be a formless and could therefore exist as electromagnetic impulses. It cites the creatures of Alpha Canara 5 who subsist on the emotion of love. The computer also suggests the creature could take solid form at will as the Miletus crowd creature, 
creature of Alpha Medoras can change from gaseous to solid. A search of crime record shows the following pattern of unsolved murders, 1932 Shanghai, 1974 Kiev, 2005 Martian Colony, 2156 Holopolis on Alpha and Irandani 2. Spockton notes that all of these lie sequentially between Orgalius and Earth. The computer then identifies Kesla as the name given to the mass murder of women on Deneb 2 and Baratus as the name given to mass murder on Rigel 4. Of course, Rigel 4 is the home planet of Hingist, the administrator. Computer analysis of the knife shows the blade to be made out of beridium, the handle of irinite, and identifies the inlay as originally from the hill people of the Argos region of Rigel 4. Hingist then makes a dash to get away, but is knocked out by Kirk. Kirk, excuse me, McCoy pronounces Hingist dead, but it turns out that he has abandoned a body and taken a presence, residence rather, in the Enterprise's computer. In order to avoid making the creature stronger by allowing him to feed on the fear of the crew, McCoy injects everyone with a tranquilizer. Sulu's reaction is typical and remarks that with an armful of McCoy's stuff, he wouldn't even be afraid of a supernova. The creature is purged from the computer and flees to a new body when Spock commands the computer to calculate the digit pi to the last number. Only McCoy, Java, Spock, and Kirk remain to be tranquilized, so Kirk surmises that the creature has taken up residence in one of them. McCoy agrees to inject himself, but when Kirk attempts to inject Jarvis, he is met with an outburst of no, kill you all, die, make you suffer. Thus revealed, the creature returns to Hingus' body, but Hingus is quickly subdued and tranquilized, and Spock transports him into empty space with the widest possible separation. Kirk and Spock then must wait for six hours for the tranquilizer to wear off from their extremely happy crew. So, Fun fact, uh, this episode was ruined for me when Mr. Hingus, who was played by John Fielder, died. It turned out that he had voiced Piglet in the charming Disney shorts about the Winnie the Pooh from my childhood. It was very difficult for me to envision any role where Pooh's best buddy uh, was a mass murderer, killer, and a bad guy. So uh, that happened a little bit later. Nevertheless, it certainly did impact the way I saw this episode. Interestingly, the writer of the teleplay, Robert Block, originally envisioned the Enterprise crew sipping drinks that had several different colored layers, much like a Pousset Café. The imbiber's mood would change as he drank each layer. This was dropped as being too complicated and costly to realize just for a quick moment of humor. According to... uh, David Gerard, or Gerald, rather, in his book, The Trouble with Tribbles Network, censors were concerned that it would appear the crew was engaged in drug use. The seance scene ends in darkness, and a murder is very similar to a scene in Robert Block's classic short story, Yours Truly, Jack the Ripper. Before serving as a basis for the Star Trek episode, Block's short story was originally adapted into an episode of Thriller in 1961. And the 1999 episode of The Outer Limits, entitled Ripper, featured a similar story with the difference that the alien energy creature inhabited the body of the victims instead of the killer. A 2010 episode of Sanctuary called Haunted also used the same plot as the Star Trek episode, only the murderous energy being had formerly inhabited the body of Jack the Ripper and later took up possession of a building rather than a ship. So... This theme has a long and storied history 
throughout uh, science fiction, and it is an episode that I know you will enjoy. So what are the compliance takeaways? Well, uh, Mr. Jarvis is the overall uh, prefect of the planet, and Hingis is the administrator. So it really drove home for me, how much oversight do you as a board have? Fortunately, Jarvis uh, had quite a bit of oversight in his role, so we have to applaud him in this situation. But uh, how much does your board actually engage in oversight? Compliance issue number two, Mr. Hingis. How much due diligence was done on Mr. Hingis when he became the senior administrator on the planet? Turned out that he brought this creature with him, and if uh, anyone from Orgalius had looked at this situation, they might have seen that they were um, certainly putting themselves at risk by bringing him over from uh, Rigel uh, to be the head administrator, particularly as Orgalians were well known for their hospitality, love, and open arms for all strangers. Um, boy, did they. And finally, number three, how long should a suspension be? Scotty was injured and was on the planet on therapeutic shore leave for a head injury. So how long should he have been off of duty? Join us tomorrow where we take up the trouble with Tribbles. If you enjoyed this episode of Trekking Through Compliance, you can help it grow by sharing it with the biggest Trek fan you know. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.